My name's Bobby Walker with Journey of a New Entrepreneur, and I've got one message for you. Don't be a bitch! What's going on, everybody? It's Bobby Walker here with the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast. I've got another great guest for you today, but as always, I'm going to keep the suspense up just a little. So unless you're watching the video on YouTube, you don't know who I have here yet. But he's awesome, and he's going to bring the fire, I can promise you. But welcome to the show. You should be proud of me. I got two episodes done in two weeks. Yeah, I know. I've been dropping the ball for a long time. But we're back, and I'm excited to bring some good quality guests to you guys. And uh, just a quick reminder, you guys just entered the no-bitch zone. So now is the time. Don't be a bitch! To not be a bitch. And listen, if you are, I used to tell people, don't listen to the show because it's not going to be good for you. You won't like it. But now I want to challenge you. If you live in the bitch zone, listen to this thing because you're going to find out why you shouldn't be. And I think you're going to love yourself for uh, joining the team with the cool co- uh, the cool kids club in the no bitch zone. So welcome to the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast. Uh, before we get going, I want to do uh, – actually, this, is, this might be the coolest – uh, uh, sponsorship uh, comment that I've ever made about Responsibid, the show sponsor, because I, I guess I've got to say who my guest is since I'm going to talk about that. But I've got Jeff Evers with me, and Jeff was the very. Jason. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> Jason. I'm sorry. I got your name written well, down here and everything. It's your brother. Close, Jeff. He's, my, close he's my brother, and he's pretty awesome too. Yeah, he is awesome too. I got Jason Evers. I'm sorry, Jason. Um, I got Jason Evers with me. Who who was the very first ever responsive bid customer. So I think that's pretty cool. Jason, we were arguing before we went live who was the biggest fan of responsive bid. And uh, we, we almost got in a fight. I'm Good, good thing we're, he's in Tampa and I'm over here. Are, are you in Tampa over there, Jeff? I'm in uh, Fort Myers. Oh, Fort Myers. That's, that's south, right? I think. Of, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. A little south. By Naples. Oh, a lot south, down by Naples. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we were talking about it. So, for those of you that may not know what Responsive Bid is, all that means is you've never listened to my podcast before because I'm, I am the biggest fan of Responsive Bid. But uh, Responsive Bid is the ultimate and premier sales tool for the home service industry. Uh, it does everything from help you create your quotes efficiently. It helps you create beautiful quotes that uh, lead your customers to to pick higher priced packages so it gets your average ticket price up it handles your follow-up for you so that way uh, when you're out trying to sell because everyone says the money's in the follow-up but let's face facts most people don't follow up but responsive bid is like that employee that never calls in late they never call in sick they don't even take weekends or holidays off and he works 24 hours a day for you because he lives on your website up there as well people can get accurate quotes on your website they can schedule themselves on your on your schedule it's intelligent scheduling um it's just really really cool and the best part about responsive bid well I, i think i just shared all the best stuff about it but they're so confident in their product that uh, they have a 10 to 1 ROI guarantee. Now, you heard me right, 10 to 1. That means that if you're not getting 10, a 10x return on your investment with, with responsive bid, you don't pay for a responsive bid. I don't know any service, any product out there that has that type of guarantee. You guys, you can't lose. And if you don't believe me, Ask two people. Now, one of them is going to be Jeff, and I'm going to ask him his thought. 
I just said <laughs> Jeff again. One of Jason. I've talked to I Jeff quite a bit about paver silly lately. I'm sorry, it's Jason. Because Jeff, like, Bob calls me Jason. It's like you get us both mixed up. That's all right. Oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> you could ask Jason about it, but the, uh, uh, but you can also go to the unofficial responsive bid users group and it's unofficial because I made it and I don't work for responsive bid or anything, but if you don't uh, know if you want it, go join the group, I'll approve you. And you can ask people in there cause you're going to see a lot of posts. Cause every time I see someone that gets responsive bid after listening to me saying you should get it, everyone says the same thing. I can't believe I waited that long. Holy crap. What a regret. So Jason, as someone that was, you literally were the first customer of Responsive Bid, do you have a regret of being the first customer? No, no, absolutely not. You know, once um, once Kurt, you know, was talking about the program, this was back at, uh, at an IWCA event years ago, and I had known Kurt for a while, and he was just putting it out there, what he was thinking about doing, and he was telling me um, some of the things that, uh, and this was before responsive, it was, um, or is, as robust as it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just like, he didn't even he didn't even say how much he was going to charge, he didn't do anything, I just said, sign me up, I'll be the first responsive because I, I knew no matter what it costs, that the ROI was built in, so 10 to 1, I had no doubt in my mind yeah. that um, it was going to do everything it can, and I mean, I could... I could go on and on about responsive it even more than you just did because it's a it's a phenomenal product that does all those things that people don't do as entrepreneurs. I think a lot of times we get we get busy, we get caught up, we don't we don't nurture the client enough. We're just on to the next estimate, you know. Yep. Oh, I got 10 estimates today. Okay, well you do those 10 and you're like done. Mm-hmm. And then you're hoping that maybe somebody that works for you if you're lucky even enough to I know we got new entrepreneurs that have somebody that works for you if you don't Time gets away from you. Yeah. All yeah. those estimates just stack up. They sit there on your desk and they do nothing where I said, oh my gosh, I was in that boat. So let me get this response a bit and have this machine just working behind the scenes all the time to keep these relationships going. And I knew that it would turn into dollar bills and that's exactly what it did. And, um, and, and the other thing too, is I invest in people and Kurt is one of those guys where you know, Kirk could tell me he's doing anything. And I'd be like, Hey, whatever you're doing, sign me up because yeah. I know it's going to be great. Yeah. And I know he's, he wouldn't do anything. He wasn't passionate about and didn't believe in himself. So, well, thank there, you. there's my plug. I would say that you, I might be the biggest fan. You might be the biggest promoter. <laughs> Can we agree Fair. to that? I, <laughs> under uh, tentatively, maybe. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little too competitive. But most people don't promote if they're not a fan. I've, I've learned yeah. that. And if they do, they don't do it with a big smile on their face and as sincere as you just opened up. Yeah. With, so. Well, I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah, so guys, listen, if you're interested in Responsibid, uh, not only is it a great product, if you just go to their website and sign up, you know, that's, that's amazing. You've changed your life. But Journey of a New Entrepreneur listeners get a special deal. You get a lower monthly rate and you get an additional free month of service up front. Uh, you can't get that deal with any affiliate. You can't get it with any other program. You can't get it if you go to their website or if you call Kurt Kempton on his personal cell phone and beg him. It's locked in only for JNE listeners. So go to jnebid.com. That's J-N-E, like Journey of a New Entrepreneur, B-I-D, like responsibly, bid.com. Go to jnebid.com. Check it out. So, Jason, we got that done. Man, I'm super excited to have you on the show. Like, we don't know each other well. We've, you know, we've, you know, talked a couple times in person and, uh, but, 
everything I've ever seen about you, seen you put online, whether it's business stuff, whether it's personal stuff, you doing stuff with your family, I've always been really impressed. And then even more so, um, every person that I know that I greatly respect has a higher level of respect for you than I do for that person. They, everyone just talks very, very highly of you. And, uh, I'm very honored to have you on here. So welcome to the Janie podcast and welcome to the no bitch zone, sir. Honored to be here, my friend. Honored to be here. So let's get right into it, Jason. For for those of you that know nothing about you, I, I know some stuff about you, but uh, but some people know nothing. Give us that little elevator, you know, pitch. The the I like long walks on the beach, and I like you know martinis and, and you know all those things. Tell us who you are, and and, and let us get to know you just a little bit. Yeah, you know. Um you know, I think you and I started with different journeys where I think you were in the kind of the corporate world before you transitioned into the entrepreneur world yep. where I've been an entrepreneur since pretty much the day I was old enough to do anything. Um, started my first business, was, which wasn't legitimate, didn't pay tax on it, but I was out there cutting the grass. As soon as I knew I could take my dad's lawnmower, knock on doors, people would give me $10 to cut their grass and then get that money. And I was like, this is pretty amazing. So then I figured if I knocked on more doors, I could cut more grass, make more money. And I was pretty much locked into that point. So I've always been an entrepreneur. I have had jobs in my life, but uh, realized a couple of things. One, in my mind, I was always right, even when I was wrong. Yep. And I didn't want to listen to other people tell me what to do. So the path of being an entrepreneur was really exciting because both my father and my school teachers always told me, you probably need to start your own business when you get older because you don't listen very well. <laughs> Turns out <laughs> it led me down the road of being an entrepreneur. I can't say that I've done everything right, um, but I can tell you that I would never, I wouldn't do anything different. Um, so, you know, always been an entrepreneur, had a window and pressure washing company for 25 years before I sold it. I uh, was able to sell it for a pretty decent amount. Um, and the reason why I was able to do that is because I had systematized it mm-hmm. uh, and kind of walked that journey from an unsystematized business to having systems in place. So I had all the headaches and everything and the scrapes and bruises that comes along with that. And then had the opportunity to follow some of my other passions, uh, which was, you know, public speaking, getting in front of people and um, and run a business while I was doing other things, which were were passionate projects of mine. Um, so I'd be happy to kind of talk about that journey of how I did it. It wasn't always easy, but it was pretty neat to, um, to be able to travel the world as an international public speaker, which is something that I had wanted to do for a while. Yeah. Um, and now I'm back to the entrepreneur. I've got two kids that that still live at home when my daughter's going to college, you know, this, you know, next year. So she's already in August, she'll be moving out. Um, but I wanted to stay home closer to them. So traveling other countries, you know, I had to pull back on that after doing it for four years. And now um, I spend time at home. And, and uh, if you ask me what I'm passionate about, one of my hobbies are is, uh, is doing, you know, triathletes. I'm a triathlon. You know, I do triathlons. I'm a triathlete. You know, haven't done the first Ironman yet. I've done a half Ironman. Got oh, wow. One yeah, I got another one scheduled in September. So uh, that's, that's fun for me. That's cool. What, one of my best friends, uh, do you know, I don't know if you know him. Do you know Joshua Gray by chance? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then he do, he does those long runs. He does the endurance. Yeah. Yeah. He does the ultras. Yeah. So he, Mm -hmm. man, I tell you what, I never, I've got a great deal of respect for, uh, Ironman, uh, participants. I, I have a cousin that, that completed one. So in my mind, he's just a, he's a superhero now. And I think I have the same respect for those. Anyone that can do a 100 mile race 
it's just Meeting. yeah this is i mean when you when it takes you 24 hours to finish your your race you know you got some um yeah. men- mental toughness to go along with the physical chops that you've built up over years and years 100%. so yes sir yeah so great deal of respect to you and him both uh and then i actually i uh, you is your big passion the the bike riding because i see you post about the bike riding a lot online and i see the the photo behind you of the bicycles is that your bigger love or do you like the running and the swimming no, I like the idea of, of mixing the three disciplines. It's probably, you don't catch me posting a lot on um, my swims because I do open water swims in the ocean, in the oh, lake, wow. and I don't have my cell phone with me because you're at the pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the runs, a lot of times I don't run with my phone. So it's like the time that I do have my phone with me is usually on the bike rides yeah. and we'll stop at a bridge and I'll do a quick little post or have it there, talk to my coach while he's right beside me. Um, so uh, the, the discipline that I would say that I enjoy the most is probably swimming. I like the swimming aspect of it. I was never a competitive swimmer, but I do like swimming. Um, and then bike riding. I like that. The running for me was a huge obstacle because it was something that I wasn't passionate about. I didn't like it at all. I don't like to say the word I didn't like because it was my mental, it was my, you know, a lot of times I say what happens to you in life is kind of what the words that come out of your mouth. So when (laughs) I say I hate running, that's kind of saying you well, you pretty much hate running where I need to change my words and say, you know what? I need to become better as a runner. And how do I do that? And, um, and I've really focused on that. And I've, I'm happy to say that, you know, and some of the events that I do, I've been a contender. I've actually reached the podium on some of these now in my age group. Uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty nice. And my age group is one of the toughest ones. So it's really, nice. well, cause people, once people get, there's no, I don't mean this in the mean way. When people get a little older, <laughs> they have more, they they have more, more time. So what happens is they have more time. Their kids are older, so they're not, yeah. and they're not, you know, they've, they've hopefully learned a few strategies on how to get their businesses to run so they can, because there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of training involved with being a triathlete. And when you mm-hmm. switch that from just doing small triathlons to Ironmans, I mean, you're looking at 12 to 14 hours a week of training. I mean, wow. long bike rides of five and a half hours on a Saturday. I mean, to do a hundred mile bike ride is going to take you about five hours yeah. at 20 miles an hour. So, so if you don't mind, I- I'm going to be selfish here for a minute. And before we get too deep into your, your past and your, your story here, I- I'm going to, I'm going to selfishly have you coach me up on something. Cause I know you've got a lot of experience coaching people. You were a conquer coach for what? Two years, three years, maybe. Yeah, years. yeah. Um, and which I was. Uh, I, I know you're not doing that anymore, but I was in the Conquer program for a year. And um, for anyone listening, so you guys can stop messaging me and asking. Which I'm joking. I don't mind you asking, but Conquer's great, and I highly recommend it. <laughs> so the, um, but uh, you just said something, and I thought, huh, that's kind of the complete opposite of how I've done things in my life. And now I just feel like, ah, I've been screwing up. So, Jeff, I've got an episode. It was one of my early ones, okay, one of my early podcast episodes. And I shared kind of a a philosophy that I use. Uh, The podcast title was, I think, Being Honest with Yourself. And you just said that, you know, you shouldn't say the words, I hate running. You should say something like, running something I want to get better at. Now, in that being honest with yourself episode the 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 gist of it was this is you know 
I, I think I started out with an, uh, a story that I had heard from people that uh, were cheating in marathons. Actually, my wife was telling me because my wife is a uh, she's not a competitive runner, but she's she's turned into a runner here over the yeah, last few years. Her first ones, I saw that. Yeah, so and thank you, thank you, thank you. And she her goal this year is to run. 12 half marathons and I don't know how many real marathons she's going to do, but I'm just like, you know, just, she's a different woman than she was. But, uh, by the way, babe, I love you and I'm super proud of you. Um, but, uh, she had told me these people, they come and run these Disney marathons and some people got caught basically cheating like they get to a point and then i don't know if they take a shortcut or whatever they do and then you know they try to win the race and they get all excited and i'm thinking i don't know how i could even be happy having a medal that i didn't earn like that doesn't even make sense to me but uh but i moved on to talking about you know we can't progress in our lives you know it doesn't this isn't a business thing this in my opinion i think this is just a life thing but we can't progress in our lives like if if i look in the mirror uh, by the way, I'll brag on myself. I'm down 20 pounds a day in the last 23 uh, four days. Good job, but, uh, but if I look in the mirror and I see a fat person and I say, ah, I'm not fat. I'm just big boned. Um, you're probably never going to make progress there. So I would say I would look in the mirror and I'm literally talking to myself and, and say, you fat piece of crap. You need to get, <laughs> you need to turn things around because now I'm being honest and acknowledging, yep, I am fat. And, and now that empowers me to do something. Uh, now, take out fat, put in whatever you know, issue that someone might be struggling with. Uh, and, and I give you full reign here to put me on blast. Like I, I genuinely am curious about your perspective on that. Do you think that's an unhealthy way to look at something like that? Should, I, should someone look in the mirror and say, well, maybe my bones are a little bigger, and, uh, but I could do better? Or, or is... is you're a fat piece of crap. Is that a unhealthy, not a piece of crap, but you know what I mean? Is is that the the wrong way to look at something like that? Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any wrong way or right way. It depends on what works for you. I mean, if it, at the end of the day, what's going to motivate you to make some changes. Mm -hmm. So if it means that you have to come to that hard truth of, you know, Hey, I'm not, I'm not who I was when I was in high school. I'm not happy with the way I look right now. And whatever words you use to describe that, like I'm a fat piece or whatever, <laughs> that's what you want to say. Um, you know, the, the first thing about any problem, if you want to get rid of it, is to acknowledge that you have one mm -hmm. um, or acknowledge that you have, you know, um, a roadblock or an issue. Or if it's if it's something about, you know, your, your personal size, that you acknowledge that there is something that needs to change. And then at the end of the day, I say once you once you acknowledge that, then you just have to put a plan and action together, you know, with your coach or if you're doing it yourself, you know, you just have to identify what the problem is and then put the steps uh, in order to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, what I would say is moving forward. I, I wouldn't personally, it wouldn't work for me to say, you know, um, mean things to myself all the time. I would, <laughs> I would just say stuff like I would, I would look at the positives. Like, um, I can't, I can't wait to have more energy. Once I, once I lose this, once I lose this unwanted weight, I can't, I can't wait to see what I'm going to do with that energy. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't wait to see what I'm going to do with all this extra, you know, um, time I have, whether it's spend time with my family, whether it's to run 12 half, you know, half marathons in a year. Uh, whatever it is, I would just talk in more, you know, positive self-talk yeah. and, and, you know, we all do it. You know, sometimes we, we find myself, um, in my own training group, I train with, um, some triathletes right now that are, that are just a players. I mean, like, you know, world champion athletes and mm -hmm. uh, amazing people, but I'll find myself saying, well, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could run as fast as you, or I wish I had those times. And, you know, you know, one of the guys would be like, well, why do you keep using the word wish? Why not just say when? Yeah. 
since Love they it. went. Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, but congratulations for you one to acknowledge that problem. Cause obviously whatever you did work, cause now you're down 20 pounds yeah. and now it's just to, to keep reiterating that positive self-talk and, and, and that's what will help you. A lot of times what you find is you find the same people saying the same things over and over again, but not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, that's the truth. And, and I've been, you know, that particular episode is probably three years old and i I've lost 20 pounds in the last month. So, uh, maybe maybe I could have done some better, (laughs) some better stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you one thing that I, I have intermittent, I don't think I use that word, said that word correctly, but I have, uh, some inconsistent success with this new outlook that I've adopted. Uh, you, you know, Mike Dalkey, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mike. uh, Mike's a good friend of mine. He's a business partner of mine and uh, he's a very wise person. And one of the things he's kind of uh, <laughs> corrected me on over the last couple of years of being his friend is he always says, Bobby, you, you always focus on the gap and you never focus on the gain and you need to, to flip that. And he goes, uh, you know, cause I am a little hard on myself. You know, I think most of us are, but you know, that I'm one of those people. And he goes, listen, he goes, when you always look at that gap, you, th- that's discouraging. It it really doesn't pay off for anything, and and oftentimes leads to you stopping or quitting or you know using an excuse, whatever you want. And he goes, when you will focus on the gain, you know, instead of saying, well, I I didn't get to where I wanted to this year, but instead of saying oh, I didn't get there, look, you know, on December thirty first, look back at January first and look at that progress that you did make, and then let that be the wind in your cells. So I guess, I guess what I'm hearing here from people that I respect and that I think are very, very uh, wise, much wiser than me is Bob, stop being so negative all the time. So, uh, (laughs) so, so I'm just going to say it right now while I'm looking at the screen, Bob, people love you. You're good looking and gosh, darn it. I don't remember the quote, the old Saturday night Live thing. So I'm good yeah, enough. Exactly. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People love you. So, uh, <laughs> so Jason, let's, uh, let's go back in time a little bit. So you've been an entrepreneur, uh, sounds like from, from day one, um, kind of, kind of walk us through that. So I know, you know, you had the, uh, the, the lawn care thing. Was that when you were in high school? No, I was probably, no, I was about, um, I think probably 10 years old when I started cutting grass. So I was like, yeah, so I was like 10 years old and I'll give you, you know, I'll, I'll start here. Cause this is a great, this is a great little segment to just talk about, you know, if, cause we've got a lot of new entrepreneurs on this podcast from, mm-hmm. you know, from what I've heard and from, you know, what you just opened up with. And, um, one of the best lessons I ever learned was, you know, um, from my father. So when I started, you know, cutting grass, you know, I went out and, um, I was actually, I think I was trying, I was trying to get a pair of Converse all-stars mm-hmm. back in the day. And my parents were, especially my dad was one of those guys who were like, Hey, I'm not going to spend that much for a pair of shoes. Yep. And so for me, if I wanted these shoes, I had to go out and hustle for them. So I went out one day <clears throat> and I started and grabbed the lawnmower, hooked it on the back of my little dirt bike, you know, over the, over the, uh, the seat. And I just kind of pedaled from house to house, you know, and I learned so much about business, you know, at the time I didn't know it, but after I went back and started analyzing some of the things that have happened in my life to, to usually use for content in a story, if I'm speaking in front of a room, and this is one of them that I came up with. And I said, Oh my gosh, I learned so much from my dad who wasn't an entrepreneur. You know, he, you know, he was an, an accountant. So for him, it was about numbers and, and stuff like that. And he's very left brain. I'm very right brain. 
but I learned stuff from them. So when I went around and I, and I started knocking on doors, at first I couldn't get any jobs because I was knocking on doors of people I knew and everyone said the same thing. Like, Jason, why would I have you cut the grass? I have Chris do it. I have Jeff do it. Everyone were my buddies, right? So they're like, I have them do it. I'm not going to hire you. And and so long story short, I was like, you know, oh, what's that lady in the back of the neighborhood that every time we go trick-or-treating, she gives us the biggest candy bars. Mm-hmm. She's always so sweet. So I went to her house and sure enough, she's like, oh my gosh, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. You know, cut the grass, $10. That sounds like a great deal. So I cut her grass, you know, then, then I have her introduce me to some of her friends. I'm like, do you know of any other people that, you know, would like the grass? So she walks me across the street and right there, I realized that by asking people for a referral and going to your, your exact customer base. So it wasn't my buddies, you know, my buddies' parents, cause I already had somebody. So that was like the first lesson. But the best lesson I ever had was I, I worked all day that day and say, you know, I, at the time, I think I had about $40, $50 that I got from cutting this grass. I came home. I was so proud, pedaled my way home. The only reason I stopped cutting grass is because I ran out of gas. You know, our gas can only held so much. Yeah. I had a bike. I was like, oh, no more gas. I guess it can't work anymore. So I go home, tell my mom. And I said, mom, you're not gonna believe how much money I made. And I counted it out 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. And I slap it on the counter with this big old smile on my face. My mom's like, honey, I'm so proud of you. You're such a hustler. You're such a little worker. And, you know, I'm covered in dirt and I got grass on my face. And this was in Tampa, Florida. So it was hot. Hot. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, I can't wait for dad to get home. I can't wait for dad to get home. And so uh, I'm sitting there looking out the window and mom's like, why don't you go take a shower? I'm like, no, no, dad's gonna be home. He always got home around five o'clock. He pulls up in the, you know, I see him coming up. So I run out before he can even pull in the driveway. I run up to his car. I'm like, dad, dad, dad. And he's like, what's going on? What? And I said, I said, you're not going to believe this dad today. I went out and I grabbed the lawnmower and I went around to the neighborhood and I cut grass. I said, I got $50. I saved. I said, 10, 20, 30. I was counting out in front of him. He's like, that's awesome. I'm proud of you, son. And I said, yeah, thanks dad. And I was like, now I can get those Converse All-Stars. And uh, my dad says to me, he goes, so, so how much did you make? I said, 50 bucks. And he goes, no, you didn't make 50 bucks. I said, yeah, I did, dad. Count it. Yeah. And he's like, I don't need to count it. He goes, whose lawnmower did you use? And I said, ours. And he goes, ours. Ours? <laughs> I goes, like your dad already. <laughs> yeah. He goes, you, you, you paid for that lawnmower? And I was like, no, sir. And he's like, right, it's, it's my lawnmower and you used it. He goes, whose gas did you use? And I'm like, ours? <laughs> he's like, no, that's not our gas. It's my gas. And he goes, so you didn't make $50 today. You made $30 today because 20 of it's going to go towards gas and wear and tear and a lawnmower. And I don't know the exact numbers, but it was something yeah. like that. It was enough that turned my smile to a frown. Yeah, It had me running inside and going crying in my room. And I ran by my mom and she's like, oh, my gosh, why did you have to say that to him? <laughs> but probably one of the best life lessons I ever learned. And everyone that's listening to this right now, if I could tell you one thing in life, is that you got to pay your way. Yeah. And you can't expect anything in life for free. And it'll come back to benefit you in the long run. Does it hurt at the time? Yes. There's a cost to doing business. So whether it's a cost to doing marketing, whether it's a cost to doing responsive bid, whether it's a cost to signing up for the huge convention, whether whatever you're investing your money in, there's a cost of doing business. And you have to understand that. And when you can appreciate it and know you're better because of it, it might have, I might have had to put off getting those shoes for a little while until I can cut some more grass. Mm-hmm. But you know what it did do? It opened up the opportunity of going out there and doing more jobs. And um, I'd always appreciate my father. And here's before I I'll turn it back to you real quick. But be, 
one of the things that happened in my life was I remember sitting in front of my accountant, my CPA, and this was after a really good year. And my wife and I were sitting there and my CPA is going over the taxes and they let us know what we owed that year. Mm-hmm. And I remember my wife going, oh, I can't believe we owe all this money. I looked over at her. I said, it's the cost of business. Yeah. New, you know, I had done well. I had to, I got to pay. You got to, you got to, you got to give back or whatever. So it was like one of those things where it's the cost of doing business. And uh, that was one of the best lessons that I probably ever learned. There's a lot more in there that I could pepper in, but that's probably one of the biggest ones. That's good stuff. You know, that actually kind of hits home for me. And it's a, not the same thing, but uh, I had a, a not so pleasant experience with my youngest, who's actually 18. He's not, he's not a little kid anymore, but uh, my youngest son just graduated high school. And I've, I've had this deal with my kids that, um, you know, you can live at home for free once you graduate high school. There's a few rules. They're real simple. You know, rule, you know, the, the basics are you've got to be a good citizen. You got to respect our house. You know, you got to, you know, you don't have to ask permission to go anywhere because you're an adult. Just give us the courtesy of letting us know if you're not coming home. So we don't worry, yada, 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 you know, things like that. And, and then they have to do one of three things. They either have to go to school and get a, what a, a quote unquote real degree, you know, so not a basket weaving degree. Uh, you mm-hmm. can, um, no offense to basket weavers, but you can basket weave without a degree. You know, um, you, uh, as a matter of fact, props to basket weavers. You just don't need a degree for it. That's my point. That's all. Um, the, uh, the second option is go to a trade school, you know, go learn a trade or the third option is be an entrepreneur, but a real one, not, you know, not some kid that has a, a, a a streaming channel doing video games and hoping to get some, some donations, you know, from that. And, um, so my youngest, uh, all three of them actually have went the entrepreneur route. So my daughter has started a, a maid service with my wife. My oldest son started our current company, uh, with me. Um, and then, um, my youngest now, he just came to work for my pressure washing company. And one of the, the deals was, you know, well, listen, you know, that's still just a job. So you can have some ownership in the business, but you've got to buy it. So, you know, you're gonna have to buy a percentage in the company and blah, 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 which we haven't got that far just yet. But, uh, he, he was on the job for about two weeks and I just suspended him for a week. And, oh. um, yeah. And, uh, and frankly, I'm, I'm ultra proud of the kid. I mean, he's, you know, Aaron is, uh, He's one of the smartest people I know. You know, he's a real ditz and an airhead, just like I am. But he—he's uh, one of just the—he's just super smart. He's—he's he's very creative, and um, he just—you know—he just kind of shit the bed on on a job. You know, what, his trainer left him on a job to go take care of some easy window cleaning. He left, and and he skipped some windows just because they were hard to get to. And then, of course, I find out the next day because the customer calls and and. Uh, the reason I'm remembering or thinking of this is you were talking about a good life lesson and it's like, it was, it's hard to do, you know, I like, and, and frankly, I'm being a little more harsh with him than I would a regular employee, you know, because my kids do get treated different at work. It just isn't better. (laughs) It's just the opposite. (laughs) But, um, but I think, uh, fingers crossed, I think this is going to be a, a good painful life lesson for him to learn at age 18 instead of, you know, uh, you know, if mom and dad get hit by a bus and he's trying to figure things out in the real world, at least he understands kind of how the real world works, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I applaud you. I applaud you at being one of those dads that does that because, you know, I think right now with our society is too many kids are, are, are being coddled. Yep. And, um, you know, I tend to coddle my kids sometimes and I have to go back to, 
you know, that's what I, you know, I appreciate about my father is when, you know, we knew that there were, we knew that there was going to be repercussions for stuff that we did. And especially if I did something that was bad, I knew that my father or my mom would discipline me, um, but then hold, hold up on that, you know, disciplinary action and, and, yep. and follow through with it. It sounds like, you know, a suspension for a week. I mean, that's a big deal. Yep. And then to follow through, I mean, sometimes, you know, I think as business owners, even with our employees is we, we throw out empty threats and empty threats soon become lack of respect where people just don't mm-hmm. respect you. And they're like, ah, don't worry, Bobby, he won't do nothing. He, he's, he's all talk. He, yeah. needs, you know, then all of a sudden you get that mentality of, of um, they need me more than I need them. And I think that's kind of what society is right now where people just don't want to work that hard. They feel like they, you know, if, if you tell them they did something wrong, they're like, Oh my gosh, they were so mean to me. And, you know, I think we need to get back to a little bit of the, you know, setting the expectations yeah. and, and doing what we say. And um, I, so I, I think there's something to be said about that. I think it's yeah. a great business lesson is, is follow through with, um, you know, with your, you know, all the only thing I would say is if it's, if it's, if it's something that you're coming down on your kid for, you got to come down on everybody for, but then everybody will respect you. And it's like, Oh, don't do that. Cause that's a <laughs> tension right there. Yeah. Yeah. Now the, uh, you know, that's actually a really good subject. Um, let, let's kind of segue into that just a little bit because I, I see this a lot on the forums online because most of the people in the circles that I'm in, you know, they're newer business owners because most people that are starting a business like, you know, pressure washing or window cleaning, generally speaking, they're doing it because they don't have business experience and they probably didn't have a lot of money and that's why they ended up in this industry. So you see a lot of people um, complain about, and I even see guys that have been like, I see this with people that have been in business for 10 years too, you know, and on the forums talking about this stuff where you just can't get good employees. No one's dependable, blah, blah, blah. You can set, make systems, but they don't follow them and you can, you know, all this stuff. Um, And I think what you were just talking about actually really ties into that stuff. So, uh, so let me ask uh, two questions here. The first question, um, have you had good experience or good success? Of course, you've had some failures, but have you had success, you know, in your 25 years running the pressure washing company in your current business doing the uh, the grout um, uh, restoration, you know, reco- you know, coating and all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, have you had a good uh, experience managing and leading your employees? And then the follow-up question to that is if that's a yes, how does the um, – you know, we'll, we'll use the term disciplinary um, actions and side of things play into that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I have, I've had great successes and I've had great failures. I don't know if they're failures, but I've had those bad experiences mm-hmm. with, um, with employees. And I think it's something that everybody goes through. And, and to be quite frank, it's probably the biggest factor of why people don't grow their businesses because, a lot of times in, in those forums, you mentioned those forums, how many times you've been reading through a forum where someone will put in there, you know, I'm owner operator, I do all the work because nobody's as good as me. And I've tried it. And I yep. had a terrible employee, he stole from me and he did this. And they'll sit there and write a laundry list of that one employee. And I'll say we all have that story. Yeah, we all have that story of I somebody who, who, of course, yeah. of course, we all have them. Um, but what we tend to focus on is like you, we had t- talked about this earlier is our words become our actions. And you hear so many people and I'm throwing my hand up here. I mean, I've, I've said this in front of, at one time I had like, you know, at, at 15 to 18 employees. And I remember on a Monday morning, about half of them showed up for work hmm. and they were the good half. Like all, all my best guys were there, right? The ones that I can rely on, the ones that were driving the trucks and everything else. And, 
and they're all staying there. And I was like, I was like, oh, and I'm so frustrated. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I mean, like, you just can't find good help. There's no good help out there. Mm. And I'm saying this in front of yeah. all my employees that are, that are great. The good ones. Yeah. Yeah. The good ones. And, but those words come out. And so all they hear is I can't find good help. Nobody's good. There's no good help out there. So I would always coach people when I talk, when I would talk to you about your business and when you're thinking about hiring, you have to change the words that come out of your mouth and just say, you know what? There's great help out there. You just have to, you have to work really hard to find them. Mm-hmm. And so now you're focused on the good people and you're also focused on working really hard to find them. Yeah. So you can't do the indeed ads and all that stuff that used to work. Doesn't really work anymore. So you have to come up with a new strategy. So that would be the first thing that I would say is, you know, realize that there are good people out there. So your other, other part of that question was, when you have to have disciplinary action, you know, I would always look at it as I would try to create a culture or try to create an atmosphere where people wanted to come into work. So it was fun. They wanted to be there and, and they felt rewarded for that job. And in a service company, let's face it, man, when you're out in the hot sun and you're on the top of a roof and, you know, if you're here in Southwest Florida, I mean, it's hot out there. I mean, it's a grind. So you have to figure out what, you know, what can I do to incentivize them? What can I do to get them appreciated? Um, and I would always focus on that so that the disciplinary thing didn't have to come down. So that always does. But what you have to do is you have to look at it as you have to have disciplinary actions, whether that's a write-up policy, like, hey, if you don't come in uniform or you don't do this right, or if you leave equipment behind, you get written up. Once you have three write-ups or whatever your program or process is, then it's just like, Go back to my dad. My dad followed through on, on what he said when I got punished. Just like you, this week's suspension. It can't say a week. And then all of a sudden, two days later, your He's son's back. like, yeah, yeah. come on, dude. And then you're like, yeah, you're right. All right. And I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but I'm guilty of that big time, especially when I got all this work on the schedule yeah. we're behind. And I try to lay a guy off because three, you know, you know, three days out of the week, he didn't come in cleanly shaven where he didn't look the part or, or he wore, you know, the wrong shoes, whatever. I would always be like, Hey, listen, I'm going to give you another warning, but don't do it again. And yeah. then as soon as you do that, I would find that I, I lost a lot of respect um, from my employees. And then the problem usually escalated and it got worse. It didn't get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would say that's probably an area that um, is a strength of mine, but I've got a lot of areas that are not, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, yeah. but I, you know, I learned that, you know, just growing up, you're like, my mom, you know, I grew up, my, my dad passed away when I was really young and, and my mom raising me, um, you know, and she, she had her list of failures, you know, and, and stuff, but, uh, she was always consistent. You know, I, I got grounded for three months one time. Uh, I popped a teacher's bra strap in eighth, seventh grade. I think, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, 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 that, the past is the past guys. Let's move on. I learned it real quick, but that three month grounding was the first time I ever got off early. And she let me off two days early. That was the only time I ever got ungrounded early. <laughs> I, spent, I spent some summers being grounded myself. So I know yeah. how that goes. But you know, the, this is a great topic. I think the, you know, with the people uh, that do tend to have the, the ones that that just want to bitch about, you know, these problems that we're discussing, you know, I think my response, and this is how I look inwardly, you know, when I look, when I'm looking at my business, I have the attitude that everything's my fault. I, you know, some things may not be my fault per se, but it's at least my responsibility. And the way I look at it is if it's my fault, that empowers me to be the difference, 
you know, and because if it ain't my fault, I can't do anything about it, you know, or if it's not my responsibility, I can't do anything about it. But um, I think like the best employees tend to work for the best employers. And if I'm having a hard time attracting them or listener, if you're having a hard time attracting them, uh, maybe it's because you need to step up your game. Maybe you're, you're only attract, maybe you're attracting the best that you can attract and, and that's just not good enough. So that's a good time to look inwardly. And, and, uh, that, that's why, you know, I always, I recommend and, and preach, you know, we need coaches, you know, and, and I see the, the same people that complain about, you know, you can't just can't find good people tend to be the same ones that post online of, I am my own coach, or I don't need someone else to tell me how to do X, Y, and Z, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking, man, that's how we get better. You know, Jordan had coaches, Tiger Woods had coaches, you know, the coaches, it doesn't even mean they're better than you. They're just your coach. They're, they're the one that has some perspective on the outside. They, they have the tools and the skills to motivate and, 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 and critique and, and you need them. And so anyway, I don't know. That's that. I don't have anything else to say there. Um, so, 10 years old, you started your first business. Uh, did I think you said you did not go to college. Is that correct? Or did you go to school? I went for, um, I, I went for about two semesters. I went for, I, I wanted to do a graphic. I want to be a graphic commercial artist. That's mm-hmm. what my grandfather was. And I grew up, you know, sitting beside him on a drawing table, you know, just doing like pen and ink, acrylics, you know, all different types of mediums. And so I tried to go to college for that. I just, um, at the time it was a dying, it was, you know, it, it was dying out. Computers were taking over, you know, I graduated in 1988 of high school. So mm-hmm. I'd gone into, you know, a couple semesters and it just wasn't for me. Um, and, uh, ended up not going and then just figured out, you know, I had to do something on my own. Uh, and that's when, uh, and I was living in Michigan at the time and then shortly moved to Florida after that, like night, this was in 1993, I moved here and I said, if I'm going to start something or be successful, you know, I'm going to move there and do it where I like the sun year round. I was living in Michigan at yeah. the time. So it was, you were still pretty young. So I, if I'm, yeah. what, you're 23. in your 23. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 23 so. when I moved to Florida. Nice. And then what was, is that when you started the pressure washing company that you had for about 25 years? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually moved to Southwest Florida because, um, you know, I had lined up a guy, a good friend of mine, his uncle had sold a tool and die company. And he was like 32 years old. He bought a Burger King here in Fort Myers. He knew at the time I was working at a little Caesars pizza. And I went to the franchise school to learn a little bit about the franchise. And I was kind of just doing some management for them. And he said, Hey, listen, if you want to open up a little Caesars, I'll put up the money and you and you and Dale, which was my buddy of mine, he goes, you guys just kind of run it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, 23 years old, having my own little Caesars pizza, you know, running it. This guy's going to put up the money. It's a no brainer. So then we came to Florida and once we got here, Little Caesars had put a seize on the franchise. They said, we're growing too fast. We're not doing good in that market. We're going to put a hold on it. Hmm. So during that hold, I just waited tables at TGI Fridays and was just killing time, hanging out at the beach, working out, going out at night and just waiting for them to give us the go ahead. Well, we found out, you know, the go ahead wasn't going to come. And, you know, my brother, Jeff, who you referenced earlier, um, you know, Jeff and I, Jeff and I had talked about window cleaning, had done a little bit. Jeff had a window cleaning business in Michigan um, for a lot of years called Uncle Sweetie's Window Cleaning. It's still around in Michigan. I like that. So he had that business. I was like, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start washing some windows. And, you know, before I knew it, I went from just me washing windows to having, you know, a couple trucks on the road and then growing it from there. So it was almost an, almost an accident of just kind of killing some time. 
it was easy here in Southwest Florida, though. I just realized, you know, so many people were happy that I showed up on time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was like, I, I remember calling my brother. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe this. All you have to do is show up on time. Like the work, I was good at what I did. Yeah. But people didn't even care. They were just like, they would refer me and say, oh, by the way, this guy shows up on time. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you know, I was on the opposite coast in South Florida. But, you know, South Florida is basically a different country. You know, uh, I mean, it's just so. The closer you get to the ocean, the lazier the people tend yeah, to be. Yeah, it's weird. And. <laughs> So yeah, you, it makes it easy to be successful, and and that's actually an attitude that I have. You know, like there's that whole you know the the ninety nine dollar guy that everyone gets angry at, and I'm like, I kind of love those guys because a the customers that want them. I mean, it's not like those are, they're not going to hire me anyway, right? You yeah. know, those people don't want me anyway. But two, those the cheap quote unquote the cheap guy makes it real easy to stand out. You know, it's, yeah. it's not hard. It's not like we're in a highly regulated high end industry that, uh, any company that's operating is probably exceptional. You know, we have the advantage of having the, the bottom feeders, if you will. And, and it's just, it's just underhanded pitches just to make it easy to go up there and just knock it out of the park. You know, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, well, one, I would never, you know, I, I, I never beat up the, the, the low guy who, you do whatever you have to do to get your phone to ring. So if you're offering this incentive or you're offering this low ball offer and people say, I can't believe they're advertising that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to see at the end of the day, if you called them out for a quote, was that just kind of a lead grab to get yeah. that phone to ring and say, hey, well, well, oh, that's $79. That gives you this much square footage or that gives you the exterior. That's our, our spruce up discount for realtors for just the front of the house, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not against that because if you're a new entrepreneur, your job is to generate enough money where you can sustain and stay in business. Yeah. And so I look at it this way. When I started my business, I kept, I kept looking at whatever I made in a day. So we started the conversation before we ever launched up the, 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 the call today, you and I were just chatting. And I said, you know, when I first started my window cleaning business, I had a $49 window cleaning special. Yeah. Now this was in 1993, but I but it was a $49 window cleaning special, and we would clean the inside now, wipe the tracks, and remove and clean the screen for $49 for 25 windows or less. Wow! On a two-story house, it was $79. So that got me out there, and people right now are listening like this guy. Oh my God, Bobby! I can't <laughs> believe you had this guy. You know, I thought he was an A player until yeah. he started throwing up. But but those prices, they got me to they got me to stay in business. They got me the, uh, the ability to pay for a truck and make my payments and then, and then be able to, if you, the people aren't going to know what I'm referencing here, but to put an ad in the yellow pages. Yes. I my remember my page, grandma telling me about this. <laughs> yeah. Right. My yellow page <laughs> ad was $450 a, a month for a, for a dollar bill size ad. Mm-hmm. And if you added color to it, it, it marked it up to $490 a month. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm doing it. I'm going for it. But what you have to understand is you can't hate on somebody. If they're getting the phone to ring, congratulations. They just did one of the hardest things that you can do. So just to kind of go back a little bit, when I first started, I had no money. Like I didn't, I didn't have, you know, credit cards where I could just drop it down and get whatever I wanted. So for me, I bought a book called the Hill Donnelly book. And the Hill Donnelly book back in the day was a list of every resident in the area with their address and phone number. And this was when telemarketing was, you were, you were able to do it because nobody had cell phones. In 93, cell phones were just coming out. Mm-hmm. So nobody had them. So what I would do is I would sit there with my Hill Donnelly. I had my little headset on just like you're wearing right there. 
and I have my little dialing thing and I would look at a street and I'd be like, okay, Edgemont drive. And I would hit every name on there. I have my little highlighter. I'd sit there with a little highlighter and I'd be like, call the first one. Oh, Hey, Mrs. Jones. This is Jason from, from coastline window and pressure cleaning. How are you doing today? Wonderful. Great. Let me ask you one question. Have you ever had your windows professionally cleaned? Oh, you haven't. Well, good. You know, good news is today we're running a $49 window cleaning special for $49. For $49 we're cleaning all your windows inside and out, remove the screens, wipe the tracks. Let me ask you, how's that sound? Then I just sit there. Yeah. And then they tell me to go pound sand, go to hell. Don't ever call me again. It's dinner time. How dare you? X them off. Yep. Then I'd go to the next one, then the next one, the next one. And then I would finally get somebody that says, Jason, that sounds like a wonderful special. Sign me up. And I'd be like, okay, well, we just had a cancellation for tomorrow morning with eight o'clock work. <laughs> yes, it would. I'd put them down for the next day at eight o'clock. Then I start calling everybody on Edgemont. Now I got excited because Mrs. Jones said yes, right? Mm-hmm. So now you know where I'm going with yeah. this. The next one is I was like, hey, Mrs. Walker, this is Jason Evers with Spot, or spot on Tyler Grout with Coastline Window and Pressure Washing. Do you know Mrs. Jones that lives across the street? Yes, I do. Well, she just took advantage of our $49 window cleaning special, and it turns out we're going to be there tomorrow morning. I was wondering if you had an opening at 11 o'clock. We'd be happy to do yours for the same price. And then I would call every neighbor in there, and all my job was to fill that next day. Yeah. Once I filled that day, the next day, headset went back on, and I did that every other day. So I would call all day one day, schedule work for the next day, call all day, schedule the work until I had enough work where I could pay for advertising. I love but, it. Yeah. You do whatever it takes. If you, if someone told you you're a telemarketer, I mean, it was the worst thing, but it got me, um, it got me better at sales. Mm-hmm. And you know, who is it? Josh always says, you know, Hey, you got to do hard things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think nowadays, nowadays, uh, people don't do the hard things. They tend to rely on technology too much mm-hmm. and all these other things because, you know, you can get real busy online of just going into these chat rooms and I, I call them chat. They're not even chat rooms. Anymore. You just go into <laughs> these little Facebook groups mm-hmm. and, and you can get caught up with doing all the busy work and it's tedious, mm-hmm. but unless you're out there, you know, hitting the pavement and doing that stuff. I think I, I, you know, some advice that I have for some of your listeners is, you know, do those things yeah. that are a little bit tougher, knock on those doors of people beside the house that you're working on, introduce yourself, don't be afraid. And, um, you know, because, you know, acquisition is, you know, acquisition costs is the, you know, you're going to spend more money on that than anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. me about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, that that do hard things. Uh, Josh Latimer coined so many phrases that I wish he wouldn't have. I, I wish he'd forget so I can take credit for him or something because he's got a lot of good stuff. Out there. <laughs> yes, hey, it's good. Hey, you, you got to credit the guys that. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, you know, the hard is funny uh, with my son, you know, my son, Aaron, that, that, you know, the one that we just um, um, that, I, that I suspended. Now, uh, just for everyone listening, you know, uh, toughness is toughness, but love is love. And, you know, so I haven't, you know, disowned or shunned the kid. He's just not getting to make any money. And he has to, you know, he's embarrassed because of it. So he has to face the music with his coworkers when he gets back and stuff. But uh, I actually, uh, you know, I go on walks because I'm an old man. So I go on walks in the evenings and stuff. And don't say that either. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair. All right. I am a seasoned young man. And uh, (laughs) the, uh, but uh, I've been having him go with me this this week. Yeah, you know, I just have him go with me on the walks and we talk. And I had told him on uh, the first day, you know, when he's home, I said, "Now listen, this isn't 
vacation week. This isn't stay home and play video games week. Uh, that's going to make life a lot tougher for everyone involved. So I expect you to do some hard stuff. I expect you to be digging into some books. I expect you to blah, blah, blah. And um, we, uh, my point was the do hard things. I, and I had that conversation with them is, you know, I hate to use the, the silly analogies and the things about like the cocoons and the butterflies and everything. But the fact is those things condition us because, you know, maybe you started your business in uh, a, a good economy, you know, like I did, and then things turned south. Well, if you've never faced any adversary, you know, there's a good chance that you're going to get uh, crushed or, or something like that. And I just saw a, a, a photo today, and with a, it was some some dude over in the Middle East, you know, some, uh, you know, he was wearing like the I don't know what they're called, but the uh, it kind of looks like a robe, you know, something you would see, you know, Middle Easterners wear. And some rich guy, I, I don't even know who it was, but he said, uh, my great-grandfather rode a camel, my grandfather rode a camel, my father drove a, you know, I don't know, like a Chevy Cavalier, you know, something like that. He goes, I drive a, a Mercedes, my son drives a Lexus or, or a Land Rover or something like that. Have you seen this? And and so he goes, my grandkid is going to drive a nice car, and my great-grandkid might drive a nice car. And he goes, but his kid He's going to ride a camel. And then he went on, and I maybe you know the phrase, but it said something along the lines of tough times make tough people, easy times make soft people. And he goes, so there's always going to yeah. be that cycle because once people have a great deal of success, well, over some time their kids tend to get a little soft because they were just you know coddled and had everything. And, and, yeah. and, and, and then their kids might, might have that experience opposite experience that they had and a great way of looking at that bobby you know not to interrupt you but a great way of looking at that is look at celebrities Mm -hmm. and look at their kids yeah look at well-known people whether they're politic you know some politicians yep some you know some actors and stuff if you look at some of their children they're not always the best kids and Mm -hmm. sometimes they're the ones who struggle the most whether it's drug addiction and partying but not really following a path yeah um and that's because they've they've had it somewhat easy and they've had the limelight and they had those other things and the one thing that I can say that, that I believe in is a lot of times with entrepreneurs, especially ones that didn't inherit those companies that built it up from the ground up, mm-hmm. you know, tend to be a little bit tougher on their kids. And I think I, just from what I've seen, you know, I, like I, I, I use my, my brother, for example, you know, his son has his own paver sealing company now and, do, and doing amazing things with it. You know, my son has worked for me. Your son works for mm-hmm. you. And, and, and so I, I think that when they come up that way, but you're right that 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 camel analogy made a lot of sense, and it was true. It's like yeah, you can't you know you can't be soft, you yeah. can't you know and stuff. And you know we've all had our struggles. I mean, and and it's, it's you know how do you face adversity and how do you get over it? Do you look at it as like you know the woe is me, or do you look at it as like hey, all right, well let's deal with this and let's you know bring it on. Yeah. Well, 2007. You know, with you know I had my business was was flourishing like I was killing it in 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. and then 2008. The housing market in Southwest Florida totally crumbled, and like crazy. October for me is like my busiest month. Yep. And all of a sudden, I started seeing like um, people weren't cutting their grass because they had lawn care companies. So all of a sudden grass started growing in yards and I'm like, ah, how come, how come Jim down the road hasn't been cutting this grass? It always looks so nice. Well, Jim didn't live there anymore because his mm-hmm. house was a foreclosure. And all of a sudden I saw the writing on the wall, but I remember it was, it was almost like somebody uh, switched a light switch where I came into work and I was staring at my answer machine. Cause I always come in and 
and you know my staff would play the answer machine and it would always be blinking because it could only handle so many calls before the tape was full back in the day yeah. when they had you know and you would play all those messages well i noticed that when coming in the morning and i would see like zero or one call opposed to like 20 or 30 like a full message and i'm like oh what's going on there must be a fluke uh, but it wasn't a fluke. You know, we had the, the biggest economic downturn where it just turned away. So my business got cut in half, wow. in half. So all of a sudden you have 15 to 18 employees and you don't have enough work for them. Yep. And I remember the only way to keep them around was I took a home equity line on my house. At first I paid the payroll through my checkbook. Like, oh, I got money in the bank. Let's pay these guys. They weren't really doing much. I mean, I had to clean the shop around like, hey, guys, clean the shop, organize the shop, you know, you know. You know, you know, clean all the trucks. So all my trucks were waxed. The trailers we had torn them apart, rebuilt them. I did everything because we didn't have enough work. Where I tried to keep my employees. Then it came to the point where it's October. It's got to come back. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I took a home equity line, ran that credit up because I paid payroll through that. I paid my bills through it. Uh, but if that didn't happen, I, I learned so much in the downside. Yeah. So I think a lot of times. Um, what happens is you just have to embrace, you know, some of those things, you know, I've heard someone say, you know, embrace the suck. Yeah. You know, you've heard that turn. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and sometimes if you, if you just do that and one of the pressure washer guy owns a pressure washing company just recently, you know, went through, um, you know, his shop burned down and he lost a bunch yep. of his, you know, so my shop burned down and it was one of the best lessons I ever learned. Wow. You know, I, I learned that my staff cared about my company more than I did. I remember my shop burned down and, I, I showed up and, uh, and the girl, uh, Lisa, who was running my company at the time, we're standing out there, all my, all, you know, three of my trailers were melted down <laughs> and they're sitting outside all the fire departments there. I look over her, she's crying. <laughs> I'm like, Lisa, it'll be okay. And she looks at me and she goes, Jason, we worked so hard for this. Yeah. She was an owner of this company. And then you, the, in, in the second word, I had family in town. She actually, I was at PF Chang's eating and she called me and she goes, um, she was someone, someone told me about the fire. So I, I left dinner and left my family with my friend, went home or went to the shop. And Lisa says to me, I thought you were out to dinner with your family. Like I am. And she's like, she was, don't worry. I got this. Wow. Go back. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, it, but, but the only way to do that is to have people that are surrounding you that you can trust and that care about your company. And how do you get them? And it goes back to if I can full circle this whole conversation that you and I have had, whether it's through hiring um, or whether it's finding you know, good people and what can you do. And, you know, when it comes to that employee, I, you know, I would I would do stuff for that employee, which was, you know, the you know, the 10 percent profit share of the, you know, the giving them this, the cell phone, the laptop and and nurturing them, letting them know they're a part of something. And instead of using words like, um, hey, can you know, can I get your opinion on this? You know, saying saying stuff like, hey, can I get your advice on this? Advice sounds a lot more important than can I get your opinion? Yeah. Opinion is like eh, everyone's got one. But if I say, hey, can I get your advice on this? So I would put her in charge of those things, and and that helped out a bunch, and 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 I learned through adversity. I don't know kind of why I went down that rabbit hole, but it well, just kind of flipped. I don't know why, but I'm glad we did. So that's uh, that's good <laughs> stuff. So, Jason, I know we're I know we've kind of went over a little bit. So you know, I I have plenty of time, but I don't want to. Um, no, I'm I'm fine. I'm okay. fine. I, I'm happy to do it. I, I like I like chatting about business. All right, I'm cool. Sure well, so. Let's kind of because we've stayed on this topic, kind of we're we're rabbit trailing a little bit, but uh, you know, employee issues, um, having a hard time finding people, 
having a hard time maybe uh, leading people, things like that. What kind of advice would you give to someone that's in those scenarios? Like not you fixing, you know, quote unquote, fixing them right now, but uh, you know, cause you can't do that on one podcast episode, but what, what should people turn to? What should they look at to, to, to improve themselves, to be able to improve their positions? Yeah. I mean, you, well, there's a couple of things you have to, you have to look at is, you know, I think it was um, Steve Jobs who said it best. He says, you know, we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. And when I first heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so against everything that I ever did when I was younger. Like, you know, I, I would hire people and like, you have to do it this way and you have to do it that way. And this is, I mean, I would hire guys that had experience and they'd want to quit, you know, that day because I, I changed their technique from whatever they were doing to the swirl technique. Cause that's the only way to wash a window. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I took the zero degree nozzle away from them cause I said, they're going to rip screens and tear, you know, tear walls, but they, they were using it for a different purpose to whatever. Yeah. But, but it was like, so what I would say is let people, let people, you know, do their thing. Uh, before you tell them that it's a bad idea, kind of be open-minded and see, hey, what value do they bring? Maybe they have a tip or a strategy or a way of doing things that actually would improve you. I mean, we're all human. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I would do is I would, look, I would look inward and say, hey, open up your mindset to say, hey, you know, you don't have all the answers. There's probably somebody out there. If you're following, you know, Steve Jobs' philosophy of hire smart people so they can tell you what to do. So to go back to that point, I think nowadays – um, because especially now that the job pool is kind of shrinking mm-hmm. and all these people are staying home because they're getting paid more on unemployment. I don't want to go down that hole. No, I was going to say, there. don't remind me but, of my daughter's boyfriend, please. So yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we all know somebody, right? Yeah, right. And, and in, in all reality, in all reality, if we're looking at what's the wealth intelligent thing to do, you can't tell somebody that you're going to pay them less to work and expect them to leave the couch. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. I'd much rather hang, hang around my house and tell my wife, hey, go work. I'm going to stay home with the kids and just play all day. And we don't have to worry about daycare. And I'm just going to collect my check as long as that check's coming. When the check stops, then I would go to work. So I can't blame them totally. You know, I, There's other things that yeah. have kind of gone down to, to deliver. But what do you have to look at now is if you're trying to hire in this market, you have to think outside the box. You know, Indeed ads, mm-mm, they're not working. All these other f- ways of trying to get trying to get people that we that we used to do don't work. So what I would say is, you know, how do you find these smart people? Is you have to look at finding people like it was a job you used to f- finding work. Yeah. You know, we're always hustling. We're always trying to get that new bid. The new now you have to become a you're almost become a professional recruiter. Are you talking, are you, you know, I always say to anyone that I've ever coached, I said, as soon as you're at a restaurant, a gas station, you know, I don't care if you're hitting balls at a driving range, wherever you are, and you see somebody comes over to you in a positive attitude, and you look at them and think they're a great employee, I would have everybody have a little business card, or have a card just handy, so you have your little card, you know, and you say, hey, listen, I don't know if you love this job, but I can tell you that I love your attitude, you're always smiling, you came over here, and you know what? I'm hiring right now and I start at 15 bucks an hour. I would never take you away from a job that you love. But if you have any friends that have great attitudes like yours, can you give them my card? 
So I would, I'm not a big on pulling people away yeah. from their job. And you, you listen to the way I said it. Mm-hmm. I start people off at 15 bucks an hour. Chances are, if you're, if you're shagging balls at a driving range, you yeah. might not be making 15. Yeah. If you're working at McDonald's or 7-Eleven, you're probably making 11, 10. I don't, you know, it depends yeah. on who's listening to this. You know, the guys in Seattle are like, well, we get 20 bucks an hour to shag balls. Yeah. But- <laughs> Well, they can so stay in Seattle. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So what you have to do is you have to be, you know, um, you know, the the, a, the the not the ABC, always be closing, but the ABR, always be recruiting, especially nowadays, to find those good people. And when you I, – I think life becomes so much easier when you have great people in front of you. Your job as an entrepreneur, I mean, every one of us listening that have done it and have hired, you know when you just breathe, breathe easier knowing you have the good employee – and then you always breathe harder when you know you're sending somebody out there. Like you have two guys working together. Yeah. And the good guy calls it that day. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. How's it going to get done? What's going to happen? So we always have those. You know, I think Jack Welch um, would always say you have the A, B, and C players in, in your business. The mm-hmm. C players are the ones that, you know, you're always trying to help them. They're just not going to make it. You need A and B players, and you have to get rid of the C players every single year. Yeah. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to always be replacing those C players. My my buddy Dan Plata, uh, he he owns uh, Blue Skies, right? Yeah, Blue Sky yeah. Services, and so he's got an accounting business and he has a recruiting business. You know, so helps people hire. And his thing, he sticks with ABC, but he calls it always be recruiting. <laughs> always be. <recruiting. laughs> that's great. I love that. Yeah, that's true. I like that. I like that. I'll give you one strategy. Um, one strategy that I did that's always worked really well for me mm-hmm. is I always, you know, people that. Um, <clears throat> People that are looking for work, a lot of times, aren't the people we want working for us. Hmm. Yeah. So they're the ones sitting at home, and they're the ones that you know just don't really have. They're unemployed for a reason, right? Yeah. And, and the economy that we've had over the last you know five years has been an incredible economy. Tons of opportunities. You know, um, the market's been incredible. So if you're not working, there's probably a reason why you're not working. Yeah. So I say, why am I going to run an Indeed ad and try to look for those types of people? where I would say, let's think outside the box. And one of the things that I did when I had coastline window cleaning, and I've been fortunate enough with spot on tile and grout that people have just kind of come my way. I haven't had to work that hard to get them is I did a, a little postcard and that postcard, I wish I had one sitting in here. They're actually out in my truck because I had them made, but it said, um, I had a picture of a guy looking up at the sun and it says, um, do you like working outside with the sun on your face? Don't want a boss breathing down your neck. You want to have, fi- you know, uh, you know, financial freedom, um, you know, are you being appreciated? Do you have a voice in your company? Uh, if you answered no to any of these, we'll keep reading because we have an opportunity for you. And then I said, we're looking for two qualified people. And I did the scarcity and all the stuff that you would use in a marketing piece. Yeah. And uh, it would say, you know, um, scan this QR code or this one. I said, um, uh, text, text, I'm interested. And then I would send them a link to apply. But what I did is I would go to apartment complexes, not the crappy ones, but the guys that were probably married, they're young, they might have little kids. And I would go at 5 a.m. before they left for work and I would put it on all of the windshields. Because here's the thing, if you don't like your job and you're sitting in there and you get this thing, and now you're sitting, let's say you're a husband and wife and you're sharing a car and you're reading that and it's and I did it on Sunday or Monday morning before they go to work on Monday. Cause you know, on Monday you're like, Oh, it's Monday. Yeah. I can't believe I got to go deal with this boss. I wish I could just find something else. And then it shows, you know, 15 to 20 bucks an hour, sign on bonus, all these things. And then I'd put that out there. And usually I was only looking for one or two people. Mm-hmm. So you put out 500 cards, you're going to get those calls. 
Yeah. And it's a great way. So I'd always look for people that had jobs. I might cut this out of the episode so I can only use it. Just me use it and no one else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to send you the card too, because it's pretty cool the way I designed it. And uh, it works really well, but it's kind of thinking outside the box, right? You have to be, you have to be willing to do something else. Like Dan, great company, blue skies, thinking outside the box, yep. like somebody else use their techniques, strategies. But this is one that, um, especially today and age, I think it's great advice for anyone listening is like, you're going to have to find those people. And right now they're a little bit tougher to find than they were before. So just come up with a new strategy. And this would be a strategy. I'd say, at least try it. What are you going to be out? You know, the, the cost of going to Fiverr and I had someone do it for five or $7. Now I think, I don't know why they call it Fiverr. It should be seven or now. It should be seven or minimally, right? Minimum, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's a good way to find those people. So Jason, Briefly here, um, I, I want to hear a little bit about what you got going on now because I know people are interested. So you you had your, your pressure washing and window cleaning company. You ran that for a couple of decades, you know, two and a half of them, had a great yep. deal of success, got to cash out like everyone dreams about. You spent about four years literally traveling the world and helping educate and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, when you – uh, put wind in someone's motivate educate inspire. Uh, yeah inspire people and educate them um motivate inspire. yeah yeah and, and then you know you've done a, a ton of one-on-one coaching with people in the past you know you were a conquer coach and i think you did some coaching on your own as well outside of conquer and all that good stuff and then today you here you are um rescale you know starting a new home service business so uh, and, and of course the why was you didn't want to be traveling so much, you know, you want to be around the family more often. Um, what, what do you have going here and, and what's it been like getting this thing started? You know, you, you did it once you're the master, you're going to have no problems at all because you know, you've That's done right. it all before. What's it been like rebooting and, and starting this new thing? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been great. And, um, and yeah, traveling the world was amazing. You know, I, I, you know, I, I lined myself up with some opportunities and, and, and got it and in, in, in four years was able to go to 33 different countries, you know, a bunch of different continents and just travel the world speaking uh, on business and, and strategies. Um, and then when I decided to take myself off the road, which was, you know, for most reasons that I was just missing that time with my family, you know, spending 15 days out of every month away from your kids when it was probably their most. I remember my wife sending me a video and uh, it's tough for me to say this because um, I started crying when she sent it to me. I was in I was in Marbella, Spain. I'll never forget. It. I was in Marbella, Spain. It was around 11 o'clock at night. My time. It was in the morning, her time or afternoon. She was at a baseball game and she said, uh, Justin just hit his first home run. Thought you'd want to know. She sent me the video. Sorry, it still, it still gets oh, me. Oh, that's okay. And so I'm sitting in this room and I'm watching this video. And I just started crying. It's like, oh my gosh, my son just hit his first home run and I'm not there. And I'm I'm cheering him on from the video, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And um, my wife had sent me a video of my daughter running in, in, in a race. And she actually uh, was, was pushing so hard. It was uh, the baton toss. And she was the last runner. Mm-hmm. And she was running so hard. And, and she fell right before the finish line because the girl kind of tripped her up a little bit. Her feet got tangled. And she just hit right on the ground. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was my father-in-law who sent me the video. But he didn't send anything with it, like any context. He just sent it my daughter laying there. And then the video cut out. Oh, no. And I'm, insane. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what the heck? You know, and I'm freaking out. And I'm like. You know, there's so much that I'm not there for. My kids need me. And so I pulled myself off the road and I sold my company. And unfortunately, 
it wasn't, you know, walk away money where I could just retire at, you know, at, at um, 48 years old and 51 now is about three years ago, I sold the company. So I had to do something and I was doing the coaching. Uh, but the coaching, you know, I love being a coach. I really do enjoy it. But everything I teach, and you're we're on the entrepreneur podcast here. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's hard for me to say this. Okay. An entrepreneur, to me, the definition, you know, I look at an entrepreneur as somebody who can, who can have a business run without them. Mm-hmm. If I'm a coach, that means I'm trading hours for dollars, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm coaching you right now, I coach you, I get paid for that hour of my time, right? Yep. If I'm not here, am I getting paid? Nope. No. So Conquer Group is a great group. But you can't call me an entrepreneur when I work for somebody else. Now, I can call Brandon Vaughn, who runs Conquer, an entrepreneur, because Brandon has all of us coaching working underneath him. Mm -hmm. So we put the time in. He's building up a business where me, I'm trading hours for dollars. Yeah. So if you're listening to this right now and you're trading hours for dollars, then you're truly not an entrepreneur yet. Once you hire one person to grab that wand or grab that squeegee out of your hand or that lawnmower, whatever it is, and now they're doing the work, congratulations. Now you're an entrepreneur. You're on your way, right? Yep. A lot of people don't get that. You know, Brandon calls it a bus factor of one, right? You're you're one, you know, you're going to get hit by a bus. You can't work tomorrow. You make no money. Your family struggles. You're, you're, so you're, so I always looked at it as I love the coaching, but it wasn't congruent with what I was coaching. Yeah. I'd be telling you, Bobby, go out there, hire somebody, get it. And then I'd step back and I'm like, hmm, if I'm a full-time coach, I'm really trading hours for dollars. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> unless, I, unless I create, like I know right now you have some online funnels and yeah. stuff. Or you're, you're creating online content. Totally different, right? Yeah. If you were a coach and you did some coaching, but you had all these funnels that, that had online courses that you created, yep. then that's a different story. That's, that's, now, that's a definition of an entrepreneur because you're gener- generating revenue with time that you put in earlier that's just going to live on on Evergreen. You know, it's just going to keep going. You know, uh, oh, yeah. Keep preaching. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was the thing. And that's why, that's why I kind of backed off from coaching. So now started the tile and grout cling business. I was like, Hey, you know, what would be totally cool is start a business that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Like literally nothing. Like this is so crazy. If my first coach Lee Knapp is listening to this, she'll chuckle. So Lee was my first business coach years ago. And I just put out on Facebook that I'm starting a tile and grout cleaning business. So excited. I took a picture of the new truck. It got it wrapped. Yeah. And so Lee automatically sends me a message. And she goes, Jason, my, t- my tile and grout are filthy. I need your services. You're hired. <laughs> and I was like, wonderful. Thanks, Lee. And I said, once I get the truck built up, you're my first customer. So I go out. Her she was my first job. And I unwind the hoses, I get everything set up, I do it. Now, the day before, I got the machine all installed and I asked the guy that was installing it. I said, "Hey, listen, can you walk me through everything and I'm just going to hold my camera here and you're just going to kind of walk me through because he said he'd give me an he'd give me about an hour and 45 minutes worth of training." So I was like, "Okay, what do I do here? What is that line for? How do you turn the machine on? How do you return what what happens here and he's going through it? Now, what do all these chemicals do?" And I taped them on and I had I had like 25 of these little outtakes, yeah. which is great for anyone listening because I had somebody else do my training. I wasn't going to do it because I had no idea how to do it. Yeah. So the guy I purchased the equipment for was training me through all of it. So I'm sitting in front of Lee's house. I got all the hoses inside of her house, got everything lined up. You know, I'm all set to go. 
I can't figure out how to turn the machine on. No, no. <laughs> Bobby, I, this is a true story. I'm sitting there watching a video and I'm watching it and say, he's like, all right. So when you first get to the job site, you got the hoses all lined up. The first thing you want to do is put the first switch on, on, then you want to make sure you turn the pump out switch on, pull the choke all the way out, moving it clockwise, you know, a quarter of a turn to the right and then fire it up. Once it starts up, push it back in, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I'm watching this. Lee walks up behind me and says to me, she walks up and she goes, Jason, should I be worried? <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry, Lee, I'm insured. <laughs> so, I was like, so that was like the, so you don't have don't, to have all the answers. Don't worry, don't I'm insured. To, <laughs> so you don't have to That's have all more the comforting answers. than don't worry, I'm a professional. So <laughs> That's right, right. So, you know, it was one of those things is just started, figure out as you go along, you know, you know, build a parachute on your way down, all those, all those, you know, you know, analogies that we yeah. can say that go along with it. But, um, but doing the tile and grout business was just like, you know, Hey, I know I can build up another service company, have other people make me money. Um, and I, this was something that I, that here in Southwest floors, it, it needed service. It's kind of a niche service, not a ton, not like window and pressure washing. And I signed a non-compete. So yeah, like it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jason, couple things. First off, uh, I know he's up for it because I've talked to him before, but tell your brother he needs to be on my show sometime soon because uh, yeah, I, I, I want to have him. Yeah, do it. Yeah. He'll be happy. Um, the uh, one thing I'm excited about with you is I'm going to get to hang out with you in Atlanta here pretty soon. Uh, you are one of the uh, featured speakers at the the huge convention dot com. Yeah. Um, so if you guys like what Jason's been sharing, what is what he's been saying, he is going to let it loose from the main stage and whip us into shape. Uh, so if you guys are interested in those, uh, now full disclosure, I'm one of the owners of the huge convention, uh, but you can go to the huge convention dot com, get a ticket, get them sooner than later because they always go up in price the closer we get to the event. But it, we do have the uh, uh, the biggest uh, trade uh, trade show in the industry. We have uh, the biggest event in the industry, and we have, in my opinion, the best speakers in the industry. So uh, check that out. And Jason, thank you for uh, being on the show. Do you have any parting words for anyone before we get out of here? I know, uh, I know we got a website, and I'll put the the quote in there or the the link in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the, the only thing that I would say is, you know, if you're listening to this right now, then congratulations. You're already one of those people that are trying to better yourself and just become that sponge. Soak in as much as you can, you know, be a life learner. And, you know, you know, books are amazing. You know, for, for $20, you can get a book that can change your life. You take one tip, one strategy away from any book that you read, then you're doing better than most. And, um, you know, just just soak it up and just understand that, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. You won't have all the answers. But I guarantee if you surround yourself with the right people and you ask enough questions, somebody's got the answer for you. So it sounds to me like the people that are listening to this podcast are doing good. And uh, side note, I just want to congratulate you, my friend, because, you know, I, I don't listen to a ton of co- podcasts. I just it's, it's never been my thing. I, I do read you know books and I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And um, yours is one of those podcasts that I find entertaining. I listen to it. I, I, I wish I had something like this when I was a young entrepreneur, because I, I know for a fact that it would have changed my life. And I know for a fact that you're changing lives. So um, when you asked me to do the huge convention, I told you that I'm not really speaking. I'm not doing a whole lot right now. Yours is the one that I said yes to. And uh, mainly it's because uh, I believe in your character and who you are and, th- and the things that you're doing. So I'm happy to um, be a part of it. Wow. Uh I'll just say a big thank you for that. That's uh, very uh, 
That's very humbling, and thank you very much. I, I actually wouldn't have guessed in a million years that you listened to the show. <laughs> so I, that's you, you've just made my day, man. You made my week. So, uh, Jason, yeah. man, uh, I can't wait to get to know you better. After this conversation, I'm probably going to be hounding you a little bit just to try to be your friend. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for being on the show, guys. If you're listening, uh, if you're still listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening because only my mom listens to the very, very end. But uh, thank you for being on the journey of new entrepreneur or for listening to the journey of a new entrepreneur podcast. And guys, remember, if you're not doing the things that you want to do in life, you better have a damn good reason for it. But if you're not pursuing those things, there's no good reason for it. Peace. <laughs>